When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and the author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about engaging with the arts as a means to being a better person. I've covered creativity before on the podcast or making art, whether that art is painting or writing or knitting or cooking. But during this pandemic January, when the nights have been long and the news has been bleak, I've been extra aware that what so many of us turn to when times are hard is art. Whether that's shows or movies, books, music, actual artwork, or another form of creative expression, art is what helps us get through. We already turn to art in dark times or hard times instinctually. Let's just shine a little awareness on it because awareness helps you engage with something a little more fully. Today, I'm talking to Becky Karish. Becky is the founder of Read to Me Literary Arts where she hosts group writing salons, which I attend and am devoted to. And she also coaches writers individually. Becky is also the host of the wonderful Read to Me podcast, which if you haven't checked out yet, you really must. You're going to love it. Becky is a certified teacher of the Gateless Writing Method and has led more than 250 writing salons. She lives in southwestern New Hampshire with her family and her cat, And that is where she is working on her novel. Becky, welcome. It is so great to have you here and on your birthday, no less. Thank you, Kate. I am thrilled to be here. I can't imagine a better birthday party on my birthday day than (laughs) to be talking with you. I am wearing a metaphorical birthday hat. (laughs) So you have a podcast called Read to Me. You are clearly a lover of reading. Why? I think it's one of those things that your brain is kind of born into, that the act of reading fires off a lot of dopamine in the brain. And whatever the wiring was in there in the womb, it just happened that way. The way like goats will eat anything, (laughs) but sheep really like grass. Like my brain really likes books. But what they did for me as I got older is they were total refuge. They were the place where time slowed down, where there was mystery, excitement, adventure, peace, resolution. They were, you know, they were home. Hmm. Resolution and home. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Hook those two things to my beings. (laughs) So what does reading have to offer us, us who are human beings who want to be decent humans? 
I think it's two things. And one, the physical act of reading, which I acknowledge is not easy for everybody. It does not light up everybody's brains and it's not the only way to become a better person clearly and obviously. I just want to make make room for that. But for those for whom it does feel good, I think that thing about time slowing down, I think that's really part of it. Even if you're a fast reader, there is a different relationship to time. You can't race through it exactly if you're reading with attention. It's different if you're like skimming a grocery list. But when you're reading something that's engaging your imagination or challenging your beliefs, there is a way that your eyes literally have to move on the page, whether it's digital or, or paper. They have to move through time and space to make it happen. And that even that tiny engagement with the body, it just slows us down. And then in that like micro slower space, we have to enter into our imaginations. And honestly, I think imagination might be the building block of empathy even before you understand why you care about other people, that ability to imagine a world beyond your own circumstances, I don't know, makes a lot of things possible. Terrible things, but but it's certainly the building block of good things. Mm. You say, and I agree, that everyone has a gift for writing. So what does reading have to offer us as human beings who would like to open up our innate gift for writing? Reading is where you fall in love with words, first of all. Reading is where you fall in love with sounds. Reading is where you fall in love with images. Reading is where you begin to pay attention to something that's outside the daily run of things. All of that, words, sounds, images, a world beyond our world, Those are all things that come into writing when you're creating something new. It's really the only way, I think, if you long to be a writer, you're curious about it, it's the only way to understand the craft. Because someone can tell you, oh, use description in order to slow down the pace. And you're like, okay. But until you see that, like say you love Harry Potter and you notice there's a spot where she's describing Hagrid's beard. And I'm using Harry Potter because (laughs) whether we wanted to or not, (laughs) most of us have encountered it. Like, oh, she slowed down using Hagrid's beard. That's what it means. It's like the experiential way to see how people do the things that make you feel things when you read. It also, it adds this cool layer to reading, doesn't it? When you're thinking about reading in terms of understanding it as something that has been written. It's like your kind of brain sort of splits into two and there's part of you that's just taking it in and appreciating it. But then you also kind of get to see, it's cultivating something that I think of that I learned like through studying meditation, which is the ability to witness. Mm -hmm. That is so beautifully put, Kate. And you're exactly right. George Saunders calls it his meter, like a positive negative meter. And there's part of him experiencing the work, feeling it, reacting to it. And there's part of him with this meter being like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, that's interesting. And then, or, oh, what happened there? And that split consciousness where you're observing an experience, it's, <laughs> it can be a little tiring at first, mm-hmm. but it does separate, it does give you this superpower of understanding that experience is created, that it can be changed, that Sim- like the simple thing of one word changing means that it's a different reality. 
Hmm. Me and George Saunders. Yes, I know. <laughs> to clearly have tea, take a swim in the pond in the rain. <laughs> I read recently that reading is what first teaches you how to be alone. You got thoughts on that? I was thinking about that earlier on my walk. And the funny thing is that you're not alone because you're with this imaginative or intellectual other world and you're with an object, your Kindle or your physical book. But you're not looking toward anyone else for stimulus, interpretation, permission, confirmation. You are in your experience. And if it feels good, and if it's an assignment that you hate, then, you know, then that's a really different thing. But if you're in it and you're enjoying it, you're getting a positive response from it, then being just you and a book is the best feeling in the world. It's peaceful. It's full. It's it's kind of heaven, but there's a hardcore introvert talking here. <laughs> but even if you get your energy from people, you're still getting, you know, you're still imaginatively engaging. So I think that ability to feel full and engaged without needing confirmation from another creature is really, really powerful. And actually, I think it's a beautiful question because I don't think we think about that very much, reading as that kind of spiritual tool in that way. It's beautiful. Well, I have wanted to ask you about it because when I saw that on social media, you know, mm-hmm. it was some kind of meme or something, yeah. I was like, that is why when my husband tries talking to me when I am reading, <laughs> then it's like <laughs> the hair on the back of my neck stands yeah. up like a dog who sees a dog walking past her porch. <laughs> yes. 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 You are fully involved, <laughs> fully involved in an experience. And they are not right. like that split, that isolation. And you're somatic, like your body is involved, your brain is lit up. And the other people have nothing to do with it. <laughs> nothing at all. It's actually, you know, having a young child, I really stopped reading because I couldn't, it was like, I couldn't afford to disengage from him in that way. Mm. It took a long time to get back to it. Mm. I can identify with that. And thank you for validating my experience. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a few more questions for you, Becky, but we have to take a quick break. Welcome back. Okay, so Becky, what practical advice do you have for listeners on reading? Like how to do more of it, how to find the time for it, etc. I think the first thing is to give yourself full permission to read exactly what you like. If you like romance novels, read them. If you like magazines, read them. There's really no curriculum. There's really no inherent betterness to Hemingway. He's doing really different things. You're going to learn really different things when you do that. But the reading that you're doing, that you have done, that you've liked, just, it's good. If it's Stephen King, great. And then in terms of when, it's a tricky one. It's tricky for me too, because my eyes are in use all the time on my screen, like so many of us. And that screen gives a lot more immediate, easy pleasure. So that's just the truth of it. (laughs) But I think um, I have started having a book at the kitchen table in the morning. Right now, I just picked up Station Eleven, which my husband had on his shelves. And uh, I'm giving myself permission to read a page. As a lifelong reader, 
it's much more often that I would read like four chapters at a time. Like that's really satisfying. But I don't have the stamina right now. So I'll read a page and I'm going to I'm going to be good with that. And honestly, I know this is, might be a little intimate, but put a book in the bathroom, man. Like <laughs> you're there for a while sometimes. <laughs> it's really private. <laughs> and we do it. So so embrace it. Go for it. I did um, ask for practical advice, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> and and if, if for people who are interested in, in literature, they probably found their way already. But if not, those the 100 word short stories, they're just perfect snacks. There's a if you just Google 100 word stories, there's a bunch of different online magazines that have them just perfect snacks for I call it like a literary spiritual practice when you haven't done any other spiritual practice today. So those are some of the things I do. I love them. What about advice for listeners on how to engage with reading in a way that is a little more philosophical? Can reading help us be better people? And if so, how should we approach it? I think applying um, principles of radical love to the work helps us open our hearts. And by that, I mean, when I'm reading this, what do I really, really love about it? And taking time to name it, not just it made me happy or I really like the characters or it passed the time. Those are wonderful reasons and I'm not discounting them. But after those, what were the colors that I loved? What was one line where the author really landed the plane? What was it about the end of that chapter that made me cry? And this comes back to the writing practice that you and I both do, Kate, gateless writing, which is grounded in looking for and naming the parts of the writing that we really love, really trying to think about why. When you start to do that, it does change your relationship to the piece because you're looking at it with that split mind in a really focused way. But it opens your heart to the work of the author. It opens your heart to the power of really simple things like commas and dates like sometimes you'll see like 1971 <laughs> and you realize that's the moment when the piece bloomed it opens your mind to craft to being able to see that something can be composed carefully and be new in the world and that's a worship it's a, like an appreciation practice you know i think appreciation gets a little bit of short shrift because we want to learn and we want to make use of our time and be productive. But the act of appreciation, it, again, it slows you down, it makes you humble, and it makes you really happy. And then that kind of carries over, it can, to, uh, to other circumstances in your life. Yeah. I like to say what you appreciate, appreciates. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's totally it. And that happens in reading. Becky, for listeners who are loving what you're saying and want to connect with you some more, where can they find you? Well, I have a website. There are a lot of words on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is uh, readtomeliteraryarts.com. Readtomeliteraryarts.com. And then I'm on Instagram at readtomeliteraryarts. And then uh, if you're in New Hampshire, just, you know, holler. I'll hear you. <laughs> And your podcast, remind us of your podcast name. It's called Read to Me with Becky Karish, and you can find it on Apple and Spotify. 
And I'm going to announce something here. You get it a scoop. Whoa. We are coming into our final season. <gasps> yeah. What? Fourth and final season. Wow. Yeah. And it's going to be all episodes of people who have asked to be on the podcast, emerging, uh, largely emerging writers who have published their first book or they're just about to publish their first book uh, to just love them up and show them that their work is deeply appreciated for very specific, smart reasons. Oh, how cool. Wow. I'm honored to hear that news and share that news. <laughs> and I just loved having you on. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Kate. It was wonderful. So this is Kate back with your tiny assignment, which is, if you don't already, start underlining or turning down the corners or writing down the sentences you just love in the books that you read. I get a weekly newsletter from Ann Friedman, who is co-host of the podcast Call Your Girlfriend and co-author of the book Big Friendship. And she sends out a newsletter every end of the year with her favorite sentences of things she's read throughout the year. And it's so cool to read them. For bonus points, make sure you've got reading material in your bathroom. I hope you'll come back tomorrow when I am sharing seven easy ways to read more to build on the great tips that she shared today. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 